Welcome back to the Society Case Files podcast. My name is Robert and I'll be your host. Today I want to talk about the Xbox Series X and a couple of games. Um, this is post-election United States. We're talking, it's been about a week since we finished up the whole election night nonsense and now we're in the middle of election lawsuits. So if you're listening to this after December, then you know where I kind of was at when uh, I recorded this. But uh, the Xbox Series X just came out yesterday. I managed to get my hands on one. I was lucky enough that a friend of mine, in his zeal to get one, ordered from two separate retailers. Uh, I guess he was concerned that one of the two might not work out, so he ended up with two. And I claimed one, so I was able to pick mine up. Uh, a quick note on pre-orders and all that stuff. Uh, the day of, on the 10th of November, a bunch of retailers supposedly got more stock. And you were able to try and order one of those at around 9 a.m. Uh, Pacific time. My friend and I tried for hours. And here and there, they'd crop up and look like there was stock. But we never got uh, lucky enough to, to, to place an order. And then, of course, Amazon, it starts cropping up with these devices that are thousands of dollars. Uh, the, the most expensive one I saw was 2500 bucks, and it's just insanity. I don't, I don't get how people uh, pulled it off. Uh, I guess that it's this stuff like uh, applications that click your mouse on the place order button or whatever else, some bots, who knows. Whatever the case, we didn't get a second one for him. But anyway, I got mine, set it up, it's fantastic, I love it. I've had a lot of consoles. I had the original Xbox, the big brick, it was great. Had a lot of fun with that. Um, it never had any trouble. Then I moved on to the Xbox 360, and I gotta say, that thing, it's really fortunate for Microsoft that there were a couple games that I became so addicted to. One in particular was Tenchu Z. Uh, I red-ringed early on and had to return it, and got a new one, that was no big deal, but the second time I had a red ring, I actually went out to Fred Meyer and just bought a new one, and returned the old one, and got it back, and then sold the refurbed one, so they had games that were keeping me engaged enough to where I stayed on the platform, but until I got the Xbox 360 Elite, I really didn't have much faith in them uh, surviving, to be honest, so... At some point, I ended up with a PlayStation 4 because a lot of my friends were playing Destiny on there, and I just wanted to participate with them. So I moved to that platform for a long time. And then early on, right when the Xbox One came out, I ended up getting one of those totally on accident. My friend and I were at Best Buy, and this guy comes out holding the Day One edition and says, Hey, during pre-order, this got lost. Do either of you want it? And so that's how I ended up with an Xbox One. And then last Christmas, I got the Xbox One X like an idiot because, you know, the Series X was on the verge of coming out, well, you know, 11 months later. But regardless, that was actually really, really nice. It totally solved the problems I was having playing my Xbox on a 4K TV. I was getting headaches and stuff from the old one. And maybe that was just uh, psychosomatic or something. Who knows? But regardless... I finally did decide I was going to go full full bore into this Xbox. And I did it for a couple reasons. One is I've got a 1080 Ti video card in my primary computer. And 
it couldn't run Assassin's Creed Valhalla at 4K. The system requirements on that game are really intense. Now, I did try it on the PC, and it's funny because Assassin's Creed acts as my benchmark for different platforms quite often. When Black Flag came out, I still had a 360, and I had it for that. And when I played it, you could noticeably see stutter and problems with frame rate. And then the very next day after playing it, I ended up with the Xbox One and played the exact same game, went through the same stuff, and it was just night and day different. It was so much better. And so the same thing happened here. I played Assassin's Creed on the PC. I got the Xbox Series X, and then I played through all the same stuff. And it was. It was night and day difference. Despite the fact that my PC is actually kind of a beast, it just it, it can't keep up with these games in particular. And I'm sure that Cyberpunk would be in the exact same boat. So... Uh, I have to upgrade my video card if I want my computer to be relevant with gaming. And that would be a $700 expenditure probably because I'd be getting a, like a 3080 um, at the very least. I'm not going the 3090 route. And uh, so the Xbox made more sense as far as gaming is concerned. Some of the things that I noticed right off the bat with the Xbox Series X is the load times are incredible. Uh, jumping around with fast travel in Assassin's Creed Valhalla was super, super quick. It just looked radiant and perfect and just fabulous. There's just no other way to describe it. It, it was great. Now, it does boast this ability to switch between games very quickly. The only two games I had installed to test that were Destiny 2 and um, Assassin's Creed. With Destiny, you have to log in. So when you do the swap, it logs you out. Uh, so it's a harder test to jump between them, to go you know game to game to game. So what I ended up doing to test it was I logged fully into Destiny, got to the point that I was in the tower, and then I swapped over to Assassin's Creed. I was in Assassin's Creed playing the game in seven seconds. So that was pretty awesome. Another test I ran was on the Xbox One X, which was technically supposed to be better or faster than the PlayStation 4 Pro, from what I heard. And I have that as well, by the way. I have the PlayStation 4 Pro. I took the two consoles way back, and I tested Destiny 2 by logging in and then going to the tower. Uh, on the Xbox One X, it came in at around a minute, 40 seconds from orbit to the tower. And the PlayStation 4 was so close, it was negligible. On the PC, it was under 45 seconds. And today, on the Xbox Series X, I was able to get from orbit to the tower in about 24 seconds. Uh, that was pretty neat. Uh, when I played um, Destiny 2 on the Xbox One, you could see some, some stutter when you turn swiftly to the left or right. You could see the characters move uh, a bit more uh, jerkily especially the enemies, when you try and shoot them. They, they just wouldn't move as smoothly as they should have, especially when you're used to playing on the PC with, in my case, 60 frames per second. On the Xbox Series X, it's just like playing on the PC. It looks fantastic, and it moves great. So right there, I have to say that I was able to compare two different uh, products on two different platforms, and the Xbox Series X did outperform in both cases. So, really awesome. 
Apparently you can use a keyboard and mouse, at least that's the way it looked on the website. I haven't tried it, and so I apologize that I didn't do any research on that before I mention it. But if that's the case, then that even opens it up further. Um, as everybody probably already knows, Game Pass combined with the uh, EA Play, which is supposed to happen either yesterday or, or shortly hereafter to where it's included in Game Pass, really makes the Xbox very attractive. There's a lot of titles on there. I just downloaded a game called The Maid of Scar, which I was really excited about, but I wasn't going to pay 20 bucks for because I just didn't know if I'd even beat it. I just wanted to kind of see it in action. So that's part of Game Pass. I was able to download it, and I can try that whenever. Um, so all around, if you're thinking about getting one of the new consoles, I haven't heard great things about the PS5. Granted, it doesn't come out until tomorrow. But for the most part, I think that the Xbox is the way to go, and I'm really glad that I went with it. Uh, final, final note about just hardware stuff. The thing is dead quiet. And it didn't get very hot. However, it is a lot bigger than my old ones, uh, my old consoles. I could not put it on the shelf where the other ones were because it was just too wide. So it has to sit on a special shelf, which, you know, honestly is probably better in my case because this way it's able to uh, breathe better and has more ventilation. Uh, after playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla for about two and a half hours, it wasn't really that warm. Uh, you could you could feel the the temperature by touching the side and the top, but it wasn't like oops I can't actually hold my hand there, um, which is not the case with the Xbox One X. Um, uh, that guy would get very 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 hot, and the PlayStation Four Pro I had the one before they did the silent upgrade, and that that sounds like a turbine if I'm playing Red Dead Redemption or Horizon Zero Dawn, especially in the menus for some reason. So, uh, in any event, um, I highly endorse the Xbox One X. It's great. So, now that I've kind of mentioned that I played those games, I just wanted to talk about them briefly. Um, specifically, I'm going to start with uh, Destiny 2 Beyond Light. I have not played a whole lot of it yet, but the stuff that they've changed is really cool. I don't know if we have an equal amount of content to what we lost by vaulting, but so far it's been pretty interesting. And uh, the campaign is supposed to be between 6 and 12 hours. I'm not sure what that difference is. Maybe it's 12 hours if you are really terrible and get killed a lot. I'm not sure. But I did several of the first missions, and it does try to sort of vault you forward with light. Uh, it requires you to get to 1100 light at a certain point pretty early on. But that isn't that hard to do, as it turns out. First off, if you haven't played in a long time or you're brand new, it immediately starts you at light 1050. And then blues are jumping you up to 1060, 1070, 1090, just super fast. I was uh, just over 1100 in probably 30 or 40 minutes of play. Not too much at all. I have gotten far enough to try out stasis just a little bit. And for the hunter, it was pretty neat. Uh, I enjoyed what it had to offer. And I, I kind of thought that it would be lame. But um, I was wrong. So uh, other small quality of life things that they have improved upon or changed. Uh, all sparrows have the speed demon perk, which means that they automatically allow you to mount up. There's no more induction for those. 
And you can use any ghost you want and then basically put whatever powers you want on it. So if you want to have a big bonus to experience, you can dump that on any ghost you'd like, as well as trackers and that sort of thing. They do require you to upgrade them like they're a weapon, basically turning them into a masterwork ghost shell. But, uh, you know, you could use your really cool looking one you got from a holiday or uh, an exotic one you found or whatever you want. It doesn't matter. Now they all pretty much operate the same. It's just cosmetic, and you pick what happens to it. So that's really neat. Something that I was really hoping would be there but was not is the transmog. They didn't seem to add armor transmog right off the bat, and I thought they would considering that there was that um, uh, headline I saw recently from one of the people who works on the game who basically said, go ahead and toss all that crap in your vault you won't need it anymore because you've got transmogs for armor so i was a little disappointed that 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 uh, they didn't have that in there and more importantly i was a little disappointed that they didn't have some sort of barber to change the way your character looked because the character generation has changed and the way that you look is is different even though it's technically the same face my character had before it's with the new uh, I don't necessarily know if I want to say improved, but the different graphics and uh, she just looks different. So I would have liked the opportunity to make some adjustments to uh, to accommodate their uh, their alteration. Um, all around the game still plays exactly the same. There's some small things here and there that are nice. For example, you can now buy the exotics that you missed out on in the last seasons. Uh, they do cost a lot, and they do require you to do some grinding in order to get the materials for them. But at least they are there. Um, and some of the stuff is just, you know, odd to not have Titan anymore or to not have Mars. And I was talking to someone about losing Mercury, and he's like, you know what, I don't mind losing Mercury. And I have to admit, I'm in the same boat. It was a pretty lame planet, but... I must be some kind of masochist or I've been brainwashed because somehow I just feel slighted for losing something I didn't like anyway. And that's that's totally on me. It remains to be seen whether or not Europa and the EDZ will be uh, adequate replacements for, the, um, for losing Titan, Mercury, Mars, and Io. That's a lot of content, a lot of strikes, and a lot of other stuff that's just gone. So we'll see. One of the things that I don't understand is why they got rid of the Black Armory. As far as I know, the Black Armory took place on the EDZ and Nessus. And so there was no real reason to vault that stuff too. Uh, maybe they just didn't want to muddy the waters with those events anymore to divide the player base. And that's kind of how I see the reduction of content it's sort of like merging servers back in the old days with mmos they would reduce the size of the server so that there would be more players in one space so that you'd had more opportunity to group up with other people to get uh, content done and i think that's the same case here with destiny is that they reduce the amount of content available so that more people will be doing the same things so it's easier for you to find groups and that sort of thing. And if that's the case, then then cool. I don't think they had much to worry about. On day one, I didn't even really try to play too much because there were queues and it was crashing. It was pretty crazy all around. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that was just a 
quick influx for people to go, hey, I want to see what's going on. Wow, it's just Destiny 2, I'm out. And, and they bailed again, but I don't know. I haven't looked at any user numbers through Steam or any of that stuff. So, anyway, that's Destiny 2 Beyond Light. Uh, it's free on Game Pass, it seems. So, if you have Game Pass and you're playing it on Xbox, then there's not really any reason not to try it out and give it uh, give it a shake. Um, otherwise, it, uh, it is on sale on Green Man Gaming for a pretty reasonable price as well. You get a pretty decent percentage off. And all around, it's Destiny. I've talked about it a lot on my podcast, and I have to say that it's pretty much going to stick around as the same same level of interest as I always have, which is probably too much with a love-hate relationship. So um, I am always willing to suggest people give it a shot. So anyway, that's Destiny 2. Let's move on and talk about Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I am an Assassin's Creed fanatic. I've written an article about it before, going through all the various games. Uh, I remember playing the original Assassin's Creed way too much. Way, way, way too much. And as much as I loved that one, Assassin's Creed 2 was just so much better that I spent even more time on it. But my favorite of all of those is the Assassin's Creed Revelations, which is the third game in the Assassin's Creed 2, the Ezio series, I should say. That one was just fantastic. I did not like Assassin's Creed 3. Uh, the combat in it just didn't work for me, although the narrative structure was awesome. I loved playing um, the uh, character's father at the beginning and then moving on to Connor. That was neat, but I just didn't like how the game felt. So I didn't actually play that one to completion, but I did manage to watch all of the cutscenes and sort of saw how things worked out and watched Desmond's ultimate fate in that product. And then there was Black Flag, which I played way too much. That one was a great game, and I had a lot of fun. Probably once Desmond was out of the picture, I sort of lost interest in the modern-day stuff, and I kind of wished that they'd just drop all that nonsense, but obviously they didn't. And Black Flag might have the weakest of those in the sense that it was just silly that you're at the game game company and trying to uncover the weird conspiracy going on there, but whatever. I might be one of the only people that really enjoyed Unity, but it was more for the story than anything, and I thought they did a great job updating the engine, or at least getting a a new version out there. I loved the huge crowds in Paris. It just looked awesome. But between that and the other game, Rogue, I actually enjoyed Rogue more. It was a little shorter, I thought. At least that was my perspective. It was probably the same length, but I, I enjoyed that gameplay all around more, and I think that it was built on the Black Flag engine, so maybe that's why. And then we had Syndicate, and Syndicate was just incredible. It should have been my favorite of the series, and many people that I know actually really, really, really loved it, and I and I did enjoy it. Um, I don't know why it wasn't my favorite. Probably because with all Assassin's Creed games, by the time you get to the end of the story, they start truncating so much, and all of a sudden it's like flashing things on the screen like three months later, a year later, or whatever, to just wrap up, and you do these missions that that feel like they ran out of money or time or whatever. And Syndicate kind of did that for me, and the, the DLC in particular, I really did not like. It could have been great, and I just didn't enjoy it. Then we got Origin. And Origin I was really excited about, but there was just some things that they did that I did not like at all, like... 
Uh, I didn't know Bayek's name for quite a while at the beginning, and I don't like to dive into the hype and read about stuff so much as experience these games in particular. I want to jump into the stories and, and be immersed and not already know everything about them before I start, because I figure... If they do it right, then I'm going to meet this character early on and we're going to develop a relationship and I'm going to play through the game. And as much as I ended up liking the character, I just didn't like the setting for some reason. And I was jarred by the role-playing game element of it and the leveling up and the gear and, and all that stuff. Whereas Assassin's Creed had been this adventure stealth uh, adventure game for me before. Now it was a, a grind for loot game and I just I didn't like it that time. Now Odyssey came out and I have to say that whatever they did to sort of correct the progression and make it feel more natural or more rewarding or whatever the case, uh, they did something else as well because I became addicted to Odyssey. I dumped well over 150 hours into that one. And I think that primarily it was just how they crafted the beginning of the story to really immerse you in that character and have you understand who they were. And and of course, this is the time that they have given you the opportunity to play the male or female character. So you get to kind of pick your avatar through the story. And I really enjoyed that. I all around loved their presentation in that game. And it made me go back and try Origin, but Origin still struggled with some inherent gaming problems for me. And so I never actually finished Origin. But I also did not like the modern day stuff happening there. And it continued into Odyssey. And by the end of Odyssey, if you have played through it, you kind of know where I'm going here. Uh, What happens kind of annoyed me in a way because... There's just, I can't get into it without spoilers. I did not like the end of Odyssey. And despite the fact that I bought the Ultra Deluxe Edition, which included all the DLC, I never end up actually playing that stuff because they come out too far after my time of finishing the game. So then I come back and I'm like, oh, I guess I'll try that. It's been months and months and months and I'm just terrible at the game. It's almost like I have to start over from scratch because I've forgotten all the buttons and I've got no more of the finesse that I built up playing the game for hours upon hours because I've gone on and played other games. And I was pretty sure that would happen with Valhalla as well, so I just got the standard edition and uh, just went with that because, you know, the DLC, as I'm sure that it's going to be really cool, and, and the other ones always look cool, uh, by the time they come out, I've I've way moved on. So hopefully they conclude their primary story and those DLCs are just kind of add-on additional information that you can have if you care. Uh, Because as we move into Valhalla here, I have to say that they once again did a great job of grabbing me instantly. The intro to the game is fantastic. You start out with your character as a child and you just witness all this stuff going on and you... I I personally was drawn right into their world instantaneously, and I loved it. And then your character is an adult, and you start playing the game, and you just experience basically Assassin's Creed Skyrim. I mean, you even start off as a prisoner. And, And I'm not kidding about that comparison. It really does have a lot of Skyrim to it. And and honestly, I'm okay with that. It was pretty neat. 
and I've probably put in over 10 hours as of this podcast, and I'm going to tell you, I'm still in Norway. I've still just been wandering around, gathering wealth, picking up the mysteries and and the artifacts and, and immersing myself in the world. It's been that easy to do. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't have some gripes about it, um, but let's talk about the cool stuff first. I really enjoy the way the gear works. It feels a little bit better than it did in Odyssey, and I don't really feel like I'm going to be pursuing tons of different suits of armor so much as upgrading the armor that I have, and then maybe at that point you'll move on. The weapons are also neat. You can do a one-hander and a shield. You can dual-wield. You can use two-handed weapons. The flail is absolutely nasty. I've never really used those in any games before. And in this one, when you start wailing on people, it looks nasty. It's really impressive. Uh, The bow is super nasty, and that's been a lot of fun. All around, I have to say, the way that they just sort of crafted your character and how they interact with the world and the stuff they use is great. So kudos on that. Really love it. Of course, I've already talked about the graphics earlier. They are fantastic. They're super beautiful, and there's there's nothing else to say about it. Exploration in this world is very rewarding. Um, it's a little ridiculous that your Viking is a parkour master with no explanation. You just climb around on any wall you want like a monkey, and and there's not any rhyme or reason for why you can do that, but, you know, whatever. The scope is so incredibly huge. Uh, I remember the original games, uh, Revelations and that sort of thing. I think I beat them in 12 to 15 hours. I'd have to check Steam. It's definitely no more than 20. Uh, This game they promise is 60 to 90 hours, depending on how much exploration you do. I'm guessing that we're looking at another 100, 130 plus hours um, just to sort of encompass everything and, and experience it all your character has a lot of customization options. You can get tattoos, you can change their hair color, you can shave their head, you can throw on a different style. That was pretty neat. I, I actually was really surprised. The mini games are okay. I, uh, I found the drinking one to be kind of funny. It's basically a quick time event um, where you have to hit a particular button at the right moment, and then when your character sways, you have to stop them by hitting the stick in the right direction. So pretty, pretty simple. Um, there is a um, there is a mini game for talking crap to one another, and that one was kind of funny. There's a dice game that was really kind of intense, and I was shocked at how long it took. Those little things really do feel a little bit like Grand Theft Longship at that point. But uh, at least the talking crap one increased your charisma, and as you increase that, then supposedly you'll have dialogue options later that uh, offer you some uh, some different experience. Now, something else I'm going to get into really, really, really quick is at the very beginning, when you determine your gender, there is a third option where you'll let the animus decide which gender you need to be based on the, uh, the situation. And I'm guessing that that means in cutscenes or whatever. I have no idea how that works. I'd like to read about it. I'm just going to look into it because I just picked a gender. I didn't really want to be swapping around throughout the game. I thought that would be jarring. But that's an interesting point to uh, keep in mind. So here are some of my complaints about the game. The uh, inventory. As far as I know, I have to go into my inventory to switch bows. Maybe that's not true. I'll have to look it up. Since it didn't tell me, 
regardless, the way I'm doing it right now is I'm actually going into my inventory and swapping out my bow. So, kind of annoying. Uh, the skill tree I found to be rather uninspiring. It is massive. It kind of reminds me of Pillars of Eternity, if you've ever seen that monstrosity of a Vizio document. Uh, and yeah, one of the points was like, add 5.2 to your health. That just, that feels uninspired. And I kind of wish that they would have made them more meaningful or trimmed out the fractions or whatever the case may be. Just somehow made it more interesting than what it is. I mean, I'm not looking forward to those points. In fact, I kind of sat on them at first until I realized that you can actually buy up and then get um, new abilities. Like I have one that you can stomp some dude in the head and that's pretty nasty. So uh, really you're just buying these semi-meaningless tidbit skills until you get to the uh, important stuff. I didn't really like that. Uh, The voice acting, it's hit hit or miss. There are some times that you're like, whoa, that's straight terrible. And sometimes it's really, really good. But uh, it's a lot more dynamic as far as whether it's going to be good or bad than other Assassin's Creed games have been. Now, the next part is kind of because I'm a Care Bear, and it involves health. So, the way health works in the game is that as you get hurt, you need to either pick up food or berries in order to replenish your health, or you have to use rations. And the way it works is, if you are at full health, when you pick up food, you basically fill up a bar, and that turns into a ration. And that ration is your quick bar, to to heal yourself almost to full health to be honest now the reason that i have a problem is that if you don't have a ration and you can't find food then you could run around with zero health for a long time and it has taken me a while to find food because let's be honest i'm on a frozen tundra so i'm i'm cool with that but what i'm not cool with is no heal over time and the reason i have a problem with that is if my health is going to immediately go up just because I pick up some berries, then there's not any logical reason why I can't have heal over time as well. I mean, it's not realistic to just have me running around with no health and I can just, you know, snarf down some stew literally by walking by it and continuing to walk uh, and, and regain my health. So I kind of feel like they needed to commit. Either go really hardcore and make it to where my character has to sit down and enjoy a meal in order to gain their health back or allow me to have heal over time. And again, that's kind of a personal complaint and I can see why some people would think it's not that big of a deal. But uh, I do wish they would have picked one or the other. World glitches. Oh my goodness. I have found some really insane glitches in this game. Just walking up a hill, my character has spazzed out and gotten trapped in basically just snow. Nothing weird about it. No trees, no roots, nothing. Just I'm in the snow and my character starts to thrash around like they're at a rave. Uh, It's happened, I'd say, about ten times. You just got to do some button mashing to get out of it, but it's been kind of annoying tutorials are just trash in some cases they're too verbose in some cases they don't exist at all i just have to figure them out and i don't mind the trial and error approach mostly i've just become sort of numb to it because that's how games work for the most part but 
when you have to put resources on the line in order to try these events that they're they're pushing, that's when I kind of draw the line and find it frustrating. So um, overall, I think they could have done a better job of explaining how things worked in the game um, here and there. But to be fair, I dumped, like I said, over 10 hours into just the first zone in Norway itself. I haven't even gone to England yet, which is where the mainstay of the game takes place. So, all around, Assassin's Creed Valhalla has really struck with me a lot better than even Ghosts, uh, uh, Ghost of Tsushima, which I really enjoyed, but I just didn't feel the attachment that I do to this game. And I think that part of the problem with Ghost of Tsushima was um, similar to this one uh, in, the, in the fact that there was a lot of stuff it just didn't explain, but more importantly for that game... I just felt like I didn't have as much control over my character anyway. Now, in these games, any control over character is an illusion. But I like that illusion, and I'm willing to buy into it if they're willing to sell it. And anyway, that is my Assassin's Creed Valhalla impressions. I'm sure that I'll have a different outlook at the very end of the game, but that's quite a ways down the road. Um... I look forward to talking about it again once I've played through it and seen the full story and really experienced it the way that they meant me to. Um, it's been a fantastic opening title for the Xbox Series X, and I absolutely recommend it if you have one of those consoles. I'm not so sure I recommend it if you have anything less than that, though, unless your PC is just an absolute monster. The game requirements are absolutely stupid for this game. I don't know what they were thinking. Maybe they didn't have as much time to optimize it. But whatever the case may be, it it's just a beast. And it really does require a next-gen console. So whether you got the PS5 or the Xbox Series X, you could probably see the game the way it's meant to be played. And that's sort of how I feel about it. And... That's it for this week. I uh, I talked about some Destiny. I talked about the Xbox. Talked about Assassin's Creed, and I think uh, I think we've got a lot of great stuff coming in the next couple of weeks. Uh, obviously, tomorrow uh, eleven twelve is when we see the new Call of Duty, which I'm not a huge fan of those anymore, but I know a lot of people are excited. And we've got the PlayStation 5 dropping tomorrow, and just just tons of stuff. Maybe Cyberpunk will even drop next uh, next month in December. Uh, stranger things have happened. In any event, thank you very much for stopping by. I really appreciate it. If you liked this show and you want to hear more, please visit our website at www.societycasefiles.com. Or if you'd like to support the project, visit www.ko dash fi.com slash society case files thanks again talk to you soon bye